it's you again. Oh, uh, Brock, is it? Yeah, Brock. Oh, you're coming in hot. All right, well, I mean, just oh, crank that knob. No, there you're good. Go. You're fine. I'm pressing buttons and doing knob stuff over here, so don't worry. Beep boop. <clears throat> Beep boop. Uh, man, it's been the longest it's ever been since we started this. Yeah, it was like 33 years of not doing it. <laughs> right. I guess a bunch the- <laughs> of weeks of doing it and then a couple weeks not doing it. Yeah, we reverted back to the mean. Uh, yeah, we're well, the average is bouncing, but it's still up there. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, the regression was bound to happen. We were bound to regress. It was in- inevitable. But we're back, and it's, uh, let's see, 9.13 p.m., 9.14 p.m. on a, on a Friday. Yep. Do, doing um, what everyone, everyone does on Friday 14 on Friday. <laughs> talking uh, to oneself. Wait a minute. No, you're talking to me. I'm a I'm my own person. Oh, oh, I, I see. I always forget that subtle point. <laughs> that explains no. certain. That explains a lot. Yeah, of yeah. the dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. No. It's a. Uh, uh, it's now is better than never, and honestly, better than a morning. Let's let's. Um. No, I, that morning thing did not. Didn't we do a morning one? We did a lot of morning ones. I think we were morning show for a, like quite a while. That's what it was because you would do it before. I couldn't remember. You would do it before you went to work because I was uh-huh. on a day or I was working second half of the day. It's almost, which, it feels ages, ages ago. <laughs> yeah. So most of this is a reflection of my own life schedule shifting wildly out of my own control. So there you go. I mean, and and on my end, like uh, like last night, I was uh, I was pulling at two thirty in the morning. I was reducing some uh, braising sauce from a lamb shoulder, um, and then at four thirty, I was being woken up by a child, and at six thirty, I was also being woken up by a child. Uh, at eight o'clock, I was being woken up by a child. Um, so that's kind of. <laughs> Did you go I'm, to work today? I did. I went to work after that. Oh no! Yeah. Well, the, I did the lamb, the lamb thing. I did to myself. I bought a v- large, expensive piece of lamb, uh, bra- uh, marinated it for two days, brined it for two days, and then uh, and then forgot that I needed to put it in the oven and cook it for five hours until like eight thirty <laughs> at night. Um, Wait, you forgot the cooking step. <laughs> It had been I mean, in my fridge under okay. wraps for two days. Right. I had it's much like this podcast. I had sort of yeah. forgotten about my entire relationship with the lamb shoulder at yeah, that what, point. What? <laughs> a, a shorter relationship to be sure, but probably pretty yeah. tender and, and caring. Yeah, and again, you know, thirty uh four years of not brining the lamb shoulder right. followed by sort of this regular uh, relationship. A whirlwind with, love affair, if you yeah. will. <laughs> Yeah, um, it it came out okay though. Thanks for asking. Uh, it was a little little wet. I'm gonna. I assumed I, I saw pictures of it, which yeah looked good. So yeah, yeah, it it was okay. Um, it's I I learned a lot this week. I've been cooking from this like uh, Israeli Palestinian cookbook. Or yeah, there's a been of a high amount of food pictures I've been seeing. What what made you choose this particular cookbook to 
Um, well, I, we're not sponsored by this uh, uh, application. I believe it's some sort of a government-funded operation anyway. But Libby is this new like uh, um, app that appears to be available at many uh, uh, public, public libraries across the nation. Like you just install it and put in your library card. And it's like a surprisingly thoughtfully well, like thoughtfully designed uh, ebook app where you can download stuff and like flip through it and bookmark it and put books on hold with a simple tap of your finger um, or whatever, I guess, you know, conducts on a touch screen. I'm not here Smash to Smash of a fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I went on it and uh, installed it, um, did what everyone does when they get back into library things for a second, which is put a hold on like four or five novels that you then don't read and then cycle back into the system after three <laughs> weeks. And then I remembered that there are cookbooks in here. So then I got a bunch of cookbooks. Uh, but now I really want these cookbooks for real. But Libby, you might have it. It might work for your library. Yeah. I mean, we have you. a library. I have a library. Yeah, it's several, really good. But I, it's one it's, that probably might have it. As someone who designs software uh, that is occasionally uh, – you know, inspiring and most of the time software. Um, this has like a bunch of very nice, uh, like little, like uh, details. Like they, whoever designed it, cared. That's cool. They cared about the um, the feel of it and things. Yeah, like that. strange how that works. Usually, yeah. it's not associated with something that's trying to make every dime possible out of its existence. Well, I mean, then there's not it as. The internet and the tools that are used to make the internet are so uh, varied and fast-moving and frustrating and obtuse that a lot of the time I don't immediately assume greed or cynicism when I use a bad piece of software. I assume like somebody was probably doing the best they had with the tools and people they had available and... You know, if you've been on the other side of the sausage making machine enough, like you don't go straight to, you know, uh, they're trying to squeeze all the money out of this. You go straight to, oh, God, they hired someone straight out of college and told them to make this app in six weeks. Yeah, but why something. did they do that? Because yeah, they oh, were sh- focused on their plan was focused on something other than the quality of the product okay i think you're right i i just i I, yeah i was not trying to impugn the developer specifically certainly not usually they're not the one who has the choice that is true this is not the greed of the worker it's the greed of somebody up the chain from the worker which is uh yeah that, that checks out (laughs) <laughs> anyway, it was cool. Uh, I made a bunch of stuff. Um, I combined a bunch of ingredients that one wouldn't normally think to combine, uh, or I wouldn't think to combine, like olives and watermelon. And uh, and what did I do earlier this yep, week? That's not intuitive. Mm-mm. Uh, it was cool. Anyway, yeah, cooking. Did a bunch of awesome. it. Awesome. Well, yeah. how have help. you been? Help. Well, the okay? cat's climbed up on my shoulder just now okay. because that's. I guess her thing now, she's just like, I'm a shoulder cat. And uh, I she, I think she likes me specifically, probably because I do everything for her and feed her. So I have a child that? that all of this applies to. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot like a child. Uh, this is a very warm, furry child who weighs almost nothing. So that could be weird. Well, my child, uh, <laughs> she 
uh, will purr and rub her head on you like she is a cat, and she will try to climb on your shoulder, not unlike a cat, and also. And yeah. we're sure it's a human child. Yeah, she's she's okay. really she's quite into cats. Did I tell oh. you about fixing her? Uh, I think I did on this podcast fixing her like weird mechanical walking. Oh yeah, cat. yeah. Okay. That's weird. Yeah, well, rip- okay. So oh, is the cat on the horizon for you, or is she forever going to have to have inanimate cats? Well, I mean, it's a secret between you and me and the listeners, but um, that is uh, once we move uh, this summer sometime. Um, that's the plan is Wait, we're moving? probably going to moving. Yeah. We just need to get to a place with another bedroom. Like, Oh, okay. The kids are so getting Are you going to look for in the area you are, or is that just not possible? I mean, yeah, probably. Uh, I can't expose too much of that information. This is a, you know, this is di- distributed publicly. Um, mm-hmm. but then, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I want to stay immediate. Uh, I don't want to deal. I don't want to sacrifice two hours of my work day to, Commute from the the burbs somewhere. Uh, yes, very well so we're, understood. There's plenty of areas. It's a huge city. Um, there's plenty of options. It's just a matter of waiting until the right time to start looking, and then finding something good in the window of time before it's too late. Wow. You know. Well, I mean, at least you're Moving. there, so there's less of a how do we get out of here type of thing. No, um, yeah, totally. So it's, then, yeah, then that's the cat is lined up with this potentiality. Oh, it's that, well, that is like a necessity. And then I think the cat is going to be a, a, a fast follow. Got it. Um, I would right. like to do, I wanted to do like a, uh, you know, like the, from like a Disney movie where the, the kids walk into the new place and then there's a little kitty there and they're like, ah, they run up to the kid. Oh, but world. that's not how like adoption works. Like you have to take the whole family to meet the cat apparently. And, it's a whole thing. Well, yeah, it depends on where you get the cat. But I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. I could just obtain a cat <coughs> via this means. This cat is a, a stray that was birthed under a shed, and somebody was trying to find people who were willing to take them in and get them all their shots and whatever. Mm. That was the deal. I uh, hmm. And she turned out pretty good. That's cool. I'm going to say that I want a little more of those boxes checked out the gate with the first cat. Uh, I feel like maybe once you've, uh, like, you know, once you've walked that trail a couple times. You've never had a cat. I've, you know, in college, you would think that about me. Knowing what you know about me uh, <laughs> regarding animals, I uh, uh, did not grow up with any pets. Um, my uh, My dad had, my parents both had pets, but I think they both became too practical like something i don't know if it was like the joke was always there were too many kids around right but that's not yeah necessarily i think that they became too they they became too pragmatic and lost the they they uh didn't exercise the muscle that um that one has that allows them to compromise a certain amount of like control over their existence because they have right, an like, animal around if, if you want to say it pretty much applies to everything, right? But animals yeah. are an easy one where it's like, mm-hmm. I could give you a hundred things that are problematic about having a pet, but it was never about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, if you don't grow up with that or in the case of my parents, I guess, if you go without it for long enough, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like you'll, I mean, I, I remember going to kids' houses growing up and, uh, 
you wouldn't be able to go to part of the backyard because that was where the dog pooped. And I hated that because I wanted <laughs> to like play freeze tag. And the concept of being able to play freeze tag in a yard that might have shit in it was like <laughs> so bananas. It's like my yard has, it's not like there's less, there's just none. Like poop right. in the yard is mm. not a consideration. Um, or you like ride in someone's car and you don't ride in the back seat because that's where the golden retriever is or something, you know, like it's all covered in dog hair. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I dated a girl and there was a, who had a uh, large dog. I don't know what kind of dog, but a large dog that like lived in a giant cage in the living room. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like, a, you know, the biggest cage that you can get yeah. kind of cage. Like um, it could fit a person. Oh yeah, well easily it could fit a mini fridge. Um, but like, so I I never really I was t- scared of dogs when I was small uh, for a long time, probably till I was like ten. I didn't want to be around a dog, but I never really create like generated whatever it takes to like not recoil when you're like hanging out at work and somebody's telling you about their new puppy and they're like, oh, I came home the other day and the puppy, you know, ripped all the the um the curtains down in the living room it was crazy <laughs> was, uh, my reaction yeah, is you, like oh you've had, my gosh you've had kids now <laughs> yeah and, but my uh, kids that's they're what, not they're certainly not um the same as kids as far as the value of putting up with the junk that they do right but it it definitely is similar and you sort of your perspective changes a little i i guess that's always what i hear from the dog and the cat people is like, but you have kids and I, and I've softened a lot to both dogs and cats. And I, we had a cat before we had a kid, kids actually. And, um, so we've, I've, and I actually had took care of a cat outside in college for a while and she had kittens on my front porch and I helped her with that. It was very tender. Um, but like I, my kids don't like I guess I don't leave them at home all day while I go to work. So there's that, <laughs> but my kids don't like rip, rip down the house in the same way. I, I have definitely, I used to work with a guy who was, you know, as with many people, like just actively disliked the entire concept of a human child. And he had two dogs and he would insist that his dogs were cleaner than children um, but I think it all comes down to like maybe that. maybe what you can understand, like what cl- clicks for you or whatever. Right. Like, m- my kids are more rational than animals. Period. Like they just are. Um, yep. So, <laughs> I, rationality goes a long way for me if I can reason with the the <laughs> being that is even if the being pooped on the floor. Uh, if I can reason with the being about it, I feel yeah. Good I totally about that. agree. That's yeah. the worst part about the worst part of children for me was when they were so young that they would get in these moods where ev- you did everything for them and they'd still be causing problems, and there was no recourse or interaction. It was just like you alone with a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. do, I totally agree with that. Um. So yeah, anyway, pets have yeah. downsides, but. Um, I think it's definitely one of those things that is good for kids to do because it makes them just more of a person. I mean, yes, it's a cultural relation. So other people who've had pets, you'll share more sort of innate life experience, but it also just sort of adds to general experience for people. That's it's hard hope. to put your finger on, but I think that's what's good about it. It's something I think it builds like empathy and patience and, and things that I 
feel like it would have been good for me <laughs> as a child. <laughs> you know, like the the yeah. ability to say like, um, to just like let it roll off your back that like your dog ripped down your curtains or whatever. Like, because my re- my immediate reaction is like, okay, well that would be it for me and that dog. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like the the amount of uh like space that I have to tolerate that is. Um, that's, that's unknown territory for me. I'm, I definitely am past the point where I'm serious about that, but I still recognize that like my, in my first reaction is like horror. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. My dog, I didn't choose to get a dog. Um, and my main concern was just how much, uh, it restricts your ability to like, you know, go places without thinking about dealing with the dog. Um, but I, I, like dogs i like animals but yeah he um he would chew up a lot of stuff when he was still in his puppy phase which he's out of mostly thankfully but it was a headache like he he'd destroy some you know pretty valuable shoes and stuff and he wasn't just destroying like regularly thousands of dollars worth of stuff and he wasn't injuring humans and as frustrated as I got, I was like, you know, it's like I feel like some of this is not as a big deal as I make it, like dealing with this material stuff because it wasn't that big a deal. Your dog was and trying was to like, teach you about the impermanence of your shoes. Well, yeah, I do tend to try to get philosophical rather quickly. But, hey, it works. <laughs> like, I mean, it really makes you do something about your thought pattern about it. So, yeah. Pets are good for you, even if you're not thinking about it. Yeah, like, I mean, even though other, I mean, if I want to get sappy, I guess, the the um, the fact that they are, you can only reason about them to a degree is not that dissimilar from other people. Like, people are rational, but you still, your ability to reason with someone and get them to go along with what you want them to do is probably about equal (laughs) yeah we always have more of a hope with people though it's like a false hope with an animal you're like well that's that's the that's an animal an animal's more of a like a obvious line in the sand of this is as far as your influence (laughs) is going to go uh whereas with a person you always feel like you can maybe convert them over to your side of the way of thinking or whatever (laughs) i don't know maybe i sit around my house having deep conversations with my cat in the in the vague hope that you know she's really some kind of uh hidden genius or something. Mm, well, I mean your dog's a zen master. Um so it's possible. Uh yeah, I think maybe the when he eats his own vomit, I question that. Oh god. <laughs> well, dogs are out. Ugh. All right. Yeah. Um, let's see. So this is Cameron and Brocker, two people. Uh, the podcast in which Cameron and Brocker, two people, we meet to talk about the fact that we both got old. Um, right? More or uh, less. Oh, wait. We got old? Yeah, well, yes. You got Older, old. I mean. Um, um, it's the, the excruciating march of time. and uh, Yes. Let's see. Uh, I have, um, I have, I have a, I have no segue into the one thing that I wrote to maybe talk about this time. 
All right, I'm, I'm going to veto it if I don't like it. Go ahead. Okay. All right, you ready? This is a. I'm going to veer off the um the the office uh, coffee room talk about pets. Oh, pets! They're crazy. Tell you what. <clears throat> into like a uh, this this four this four tier system that Good I'm Lord. drafting about why people can't actually argue about anything serious. Wait, why they can't? So why, why they can't? Why, why they, they can't. don't? Or why it's truly impossible and we should quit trying? No, well, the fact that they can't doesn't mean that they can't ever. But it's more that like I think that most of the time like a toxic or a un, uh, unproductive conversation that leads to people getting more frustrated with not necessarily the specific other person that they're talking mm-hmm. to, but the idea of the other person. Yeah. That they're okay. Talking to. I won't vo- veto. This. this is of great interest to me. All right, cool. Because I feel I'm feeling like this for a draft that's scribbled in a notebook is pretty good. Um, so the number one like problem, ugh, that's hard to say a large problem is that many of the bigger issues or like the more inflammatory issues that are on the table in any particular conversation, uh, uh, especially legislatively or culturally or whatever are, um, people are not talking about the same thing. They aren't like, uh, they're, they aren't arguing about the same thing at all. Right. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think this yes, even, I generally this, agree with that. Yeah. This even comes into play with like l- the labeling of each side, each side tends to like label, their uh their viewpoint uh in a way that like belies their angle on the entire thing um i remember like to to go straight to like one of the toughest ones um the one side being pro life and one side being pro choice right like oh, there's a the, good starting point yeah you know, you know straight <laughs> to just hand, slam <laughs> on the finishing gas. point <laughs> yeah um well i don't want to like uh, hang hang around too long here but only to give a relatively light anecdote not really but my dad when i was a kid was like interviewed by the local news outside of a you know a cvs or something about like a right to life march or whatever in pensacola in 96 or something and uh he made some snide comment on that they did not end up airing as part of like his little segment that they you know man on the street thing where mm-hmm. he was like Oh, you know what it was about? It was about the license plates. It was when we got the Choose Life license plates in Florida. Yeah. And so it was about that. It wasn't about a rally. It was about specifically the license plates and like what he as a, you know, local citizen thought about these license plates because like they literally had like little like crayon drawings of smiley faces and the words Choose Life written in like little kid <laughs> writing. Like there's there's a a real there's a real undertone to these, you know, those specific license plates that like, you know, you, there's a lot to it. Right. Like, and my uh-huh. dad at the time said, um, you know, my family being, um, particularly pro or anti abortion, uh, especially with the, at the time and everything, you know, tough topic. All I was getting to was that he made a <laughs> comment that was like, uh, what are they going to do? Have a license plate that says choose death. And they did not. They did not air air that specific, uh, you know, line that he said. But like that, that's kind of the thing, right? Like that's not the argument at hand. One side is not attempting to choose death, and and like so the the entire conversation is is never going to get anywhere uh, because the 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 
opening salvo is on a completely different like plane of existence. I'm not here to solve that one <laughs> at all, uh, that well, conversation. But you, right. But that's like and you know a, a tough like very exaggerated form of this. So right. people inherently frame arguments from the point of view of their what they feel is most important about their argument. And often those are just different points altogether, but they're framing it as if it encompasses the entire spectrum of what's being argued. Well, they frame it around what they think the argument is about. Which like, tends to be the thing that they're most confidently in support of or against. Right. Whatever level they're operating on is the one that they think they assume the other side is also operating on that side. And then, you know, and and how could they disagree? Because right. my point's obviously good one, which right. and maybe it I, is. And if you, and you know, if you have that specific, you know, assumption, then you assume that the other side is, is, um, you know, disingenuous it, or stupid or, or evil or, evil. or yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, whether, um, or or reprobate or whatever. Um, I've well, I've I've heard that word a lot before. Mm, yeah, me too. Uh, so these are the four levels uh, that I have because the other side of this, the 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 way that the four levels I think can help is that you can you can like reach an agreement that you are that you have something in common at one of these levels. Um, so like I, I'm going to move on past abortion. I really, really, really don't feel like I I can get anywhere with the abortion thing in a productive way here. Um, cause again, it's like not, uh, that's like a huge one, right? Like it's all right. It, you're so how talking, about environmental, uh, right. regulation or something? Yeah. I have, I have weed here cause that's a more simple one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that works. Uh, I heard you say I have weed here and I just paused for a I second. I don't actually then, have okay. weed here. <laughs> no. Um, but like the abortion one is not, it's, it's crazy because it's like one side is literally talking about women's rights. Like the, the, you aren't even talking about the procedure. You're talking about an entirely different world of concept. And, and, you know, so anyway, that one is like the, the most extreme example, but, uh, or one of the most extreme examples, but number one level, broadest level is two sides can at least agree on what the problem is and that it exists. All right. So like just on a basic level, let's agree that this problem exists so that we can, we can discuss it. All right. So Um, what, what would you say people would agree on the weed problem? Uh, well the, the, the weed one, the reason it came up with me is because not because of like a left V right on it, but because of like, uh, how far down this, pyramid you can get if you're like a, a libertarian versus like a democrat or left-wing liberal okay. whatever all right so i have a little chart here and my chart has number one i've got an x for right because i don't necessarily think that the like the left and we're, we're gonna treat we're gonna perform some false equivocation here and treat libertarian as like a third member of this right but uh <clears throat> right all right, follow me down this this I'm, like weird I'm rabbit trying. hole. Go okay. for it. <laughs> uh, that that the problem exists. The problem is uh, that weed is illegal and it shouldn't be. Right. Like oh, we'll just go with that. Like very basic. Like a uh, legalize this right. substance. Some people think it shouldn't be, but it's currently <laughs> illegal. Yeah, sure. Some okay. people think it shouldn't be illegal. Um, you you've already dropped off. You know, uh, conservatives, which is fine. That's not really the point of this. Uh, Statement, but number one, uh, this pyramid, number one, that the problem exists. Number two is how should it be fixed? 
All right. So you, you're discussing with someone, you guys are at least agreeing that X problem exists. You're agreeing that like climate change exists or that um, the fact that weed is illegal exists or the fact that like uh, healthcare is too expensive exists. That's another kind of easy one to at least get off on the right foot. Number two is like how it should be fixed. Um, so like you can maybe agree with like your, your uh, uh, like a liberal and conservative could agree that like um, healthcare is unfair or some, or costs are unfair or, or, or uh, libertarians and left wing could agree that like um, they both want to, they want both want access to weed or whatever, how it should be fixed is that now you're at least, you know, you've moved past that. And now you're talking about like solutions, which is better than talking about problems. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. So number three is who should fix it. So now you've said, Oh man, you're right. We both agree. We have these, you know, you believe that the post postal service should be abolished, <laughs> but I, uh, and I believe in universal healthcare or whatever, but at least you libertarian buddy and me agree that, uh, that weed is unnecessarily classified and, and like, you know, that people are in jail because of it and all this other stuff. And we agree that it should be fixed through legalization or whatever. Great. So now you move on to number three, like who should fix it? And this is where you're going to fall off probably with your libertarian friend, right? Because like they're going to probably have a less prescriptive uh, idea of how that fix should actually happen. Right. So like I've had conversations where like I'm disagreeing with someone and I'm disagreeing with someone, but then we eventually like uh, agree that there is like some common problem, like, oh, the taxes are too high or too low or inefficient or the government's inefficient, right? Like that's a common one, right? You can mm-hmm. usually you can at least be like a, a Congress just sitting on their asses or whatever. And then like, so you've moved past number one, you've connected on something. Number two, you've connected on like, uh, I've connected with um, relatives on like, uh, funding to politicians or something like that, right? Well, you've connected, you've connected on the idea that politicians shouldn't be bought by corporations or something, but you tend to lose people on number three, which is who, who should fix it. And then you really lose people. Um, and I think by the time you get to number four, you've actually unified on something. And number four is how do you get the people that you've decided to fix it, to fix it via the way you've decided, right? Like, so there's, uh, that the problem exists, number one. Two, how it should be fixed. Three, who should fix it. And four, how you get the people that you decided to fix it, how do you mandate them to actually fix it? Right. So <clears throat> the who should fix it piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your example, like with the libertarian, they're obviously always going to um, insist that or prefer that the government not be the main driver in this process. Right. But how does hmm. – so – Yeah. So I'm trying to think because I've had these kind of conversations before. I'm trying to think if it's going to make sense to them. Like so let's just say libertarian. Um, who should fix it? Uh, the government or private people, right? How to get that done? The question is always sort of falling off at the how to get that done with the libertarian end, which is that you know it's just those people's responsibilities, and I'm not the person who's going to tell them whether to do it or not. Right? It usually falls off to like some somebody mumbling about states' rights or like 
Uh, they're the dis well, like the. Well, I'm saying even if like a good, intelligent, good faith libertarian isn't gonna like forget what's going on or try to or or try to like hoodwink you about nothing, but right. they might just constantly end up being like, you know, life's unfair type of situation. Oh yeah, but, there's there's a pessimism there for sure. But yeah. let, let, I guess what I'm saying is, if that's sort of where you get to, I mean. You still feel like that's a success in that you've actually processed where people actually Absolutely. fall on the issue. Yes, that is the point of this system is not to reach a step five. There is no step five. Chances are you're not going to like agree on step four even, but at least you're on step four, right? Like at least you have had a conversation and at least you are like learning about someone and you're having a dialogue or in or you know conversely if you realize that you can't even get to step one or something somebody you have punched out of that and talked about movies or something <laughs> you know found somebody like found, you haven't gotten tied up in a conversation where two people are yelling at each other because one of them's on all right step do we three wanna, and one of them's on step one do we want to try this and um i know enough about most points of view that <laughs> i could be i could just pick one and we don't have to be ourselves here, but like, say wealth inequality in America, okay, um, could be a problem. And I could be a thoughtful, uh, not libertarian. I can be conservative on that, and uh, you could be a progressive or liberal or whichever. I mean, you can be you whatever you actually. Are. I don't think you have to like necessarily. I devil's might, advocate no, this. it's not going to work because I'm much more like all the sides like i already try to think this way about okay. everything i fail a lot of times sure but right. i want to see it work in the case where people really have hard opposing stances right okay um sure well the wealth inequality one is interesting because you have to i mean you might lose it on step one because i don't necessarily think that wealth inequality is treated with the same urgency at all uh, well, you know, true, what I mean? between but, groups. And that's one of my points is that step one is going to be really hard because people aren't going to agree uh, on problem implies something that needs to be fixed or can oh, be totally. fixed. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right. So in this case, well, that's number two. Tell though. me, I, uh, you know, I hear wealth inequality exists in America. My position is um, that we don't. It, like the world isn't a perfect world where everybody's given the same things, but there's already a lot of government structure where if you make an effort in life, you're not going to be stopped from succeeding. Yeah. Now that's my, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's a tough one because I think that like, I think that's that that specific dialogue is really difficult to have because I don't think that number one is there, right? Like, I don't think you like you could say that about, you know, treating wealth inequality as effectively like an inevitability and something to, to be overcome. Um, and right. so yeah. as a as a, and I'm still pretending that I'm the right. con super conservative and you're the super right. progressive. I'm, I'm doing a bad job actually, like uh, play acting. <laughs> well, we don't have narrating. to totally play act, but narrates yeah. fine. Um, so uh, we're here. I feel like 
I I don't know a lot of good meaning conservative people that would want there to be wealth inequality. But I think I could be persuaded to agree that there is wealth inequality, um, though I don't think it's a problem in the same way you do. Morally, you could ask, you know, well, do you want there to be poor people and very rich people? Or do you want there to be, you know what? Yeah, that's such a loaded question. Let's just say, do you want people to be struggling to live at basic means. And yeah. as I would say, no, like I don't want that to be the case. Okay. So I think we could agree on one, at least by finding something even that simple. Like yeah. I don't want there to be poor people if necessary. Well, this is why I like the healthcare conversation better than the general, like uh, prosperity conversation because well, I it's think pretty tied up to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a more specific case because it's like, no matter, I, I, right, think I that, don't want people to have to, uh, lose their life savings to have treatments or to not receive necessary treatment when needed. Yeah. I think that's a great one, right? Because like, Otherwise, if you just go with the prosperity thing, what you end up arguing about is like minimum wage. And like, that's a tough one because, um, generally speaking, the right wing is going to treat minimum wage as something that like is not intended to support a family. Right. Like that was always the argument I heard growing up. And so now you're, 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 you're like always, you're already off track and you're stuck, like having to show someone statistics. And I feel like most of the time you start arguing statistics, you're going to lose the other person. So that's Um, step two. Right. Well, sort of. You're thinking it's going to get blown up on. Yeah, it's sort of like, you're going to, you're going to sort of agree that like prosperity inequality is a problem, but then you're going to disagree about how it should be fixed because you don't both have a good understanding of like what minimum wage is even intended, like who minimum wage is even intended for and things like that. Um, but if you just talk, I, I, I think the healthcare one has a lot more of a chance of like uh, being a real conversation uh, because the idea of getting blown apart by, um, by bureaucracy is very like something right. that I think a lot of people are scared of. Well, like you say the you healthcare know? problem exists. Yeah. I say that, no system is perfect, but mm-hmm. the United States has some of the best health care in the world. Yeah. As far We have the best doctors. We yeah. have the best institutions. We have, you know, all this stuff. Um, so we have what, in my mind, is a good health care system. So I'm not agreeing with the problem exactly. What do you exactly. mean by there's a problem with health care? Yeah, that's it. Again, so many of these things are like cut off at the knees because well, of, what would you say to that though? Um, well, I mean, uh, let me divert to an anecdote. Like, uh, my, uh, I had an interesting conversation with my mom, uh, not that long ago where she was telling me that she was over in, uh, the UK and actually met a doctor over there and had a personal conversation about like the NHS and his role in that system. And like my parents being in medicine and stuff have a certain amount of experience with, uh, the ethicality of like how hospitals are run and things like that. And at, even as people who like are lifelong conservatives, uh, she was like remarkably like open to the idea of standardizing or nationalizing healthcare. 
uh, because because of this conversation she had with this guy. Now it is a tough conversation if you're having a conversation with like imaginary like right wing Brock over there, and all he's ever heard is that like they're going to take all your taxes in Sweden or what you know your taxes are eighty percent, mm-hmm. and then you're going to wait in line for forever. Or like Canada or whatever. Like I was always told that like Canada's healthcare was like, oh, it's government run. You'll wait for days in line, just like communist Russia, you know. And like the 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 sometimes the only way to get past that, I think, with people is like them actually talking to a real human and not just being told that stuff. Um, yeah, I agree. I think you have to find again in this case, you'd have to find the thing about it that isn't great. And ask, you know, is it worth the trade-off? Because every system's a trade-off, right? right? There is no perfect system, as the as I just admitted in saying why I thought America's healthcare right. was great. You say, well, what is it about the system that's not perfect? What's the trade-off we're making? Yeah. Um, and then we look at that. And in sure. this case, the trade-off is that wealthy people or people with good jobs get great health care. And then there's like a steep cliff, and then uh, anyone who doesn't have a great job or money gets no health care. Or, yeah, or very expensive health care that is still going to, like, really blow them up if something bad happens. Like, all right, so at least that whole time when we were talking about that, we were at least talking about the existence of the problem. Like, that's mm-hmm. already a narrower conversation that you could potentially have at, like, at Thanksgiving or something with someone, right? Like, at least then you're, conver- you're talking about, like, Right. Do, you can we agree that this is a problem or not? And maybe you won't agree, but at least the conversation has been about the same thing. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, the general principle here works well, which is that if you're constantly trying to narrow down a topic to something, you can even sort of talk about uh, specifically, or not specifically, but just sort of talk about with some kind of like framework, the less the tendency is, which is the tendency of all of these things to pull back out quickly to become associated with everything else some things not really associated so in this case if you have sort of a conservative or liberal bent you tend to quickly in your mind associate higher level problems with other things that are part of that platform and then it zooms even further out to the general two-sidedness of everything right yeah. So that's what you're trying to get around. And so right. if you're even making an effort to get past these questions, you're going to be narrowing the statements you're making. Yeah, so and it's, I, it's yeah, it's not about like railroading someone because you're just going to offend them, but it's at least about like if you see the conversation flying into like identity politics territory or like uh you know, uh, ad hominem eye roll comments about like Nancy Pelosi or something. You can be like, well, hold on. Like, let's just talk about like one thing at a time (laughs) and like, just talk about that one thing because like, at least then you're talking about each other's viewpoints and stuff and not just like, uh, going past that into assuming right. Like that person's impression of some person that they don't know. There are terrible people, uh, to to, uh, borrow and reverse. (laughs) (laughs) There are terrible people representing every possible viewpoint, not necessarily the same amount or the same type of terrible people. But if you're using examples of people to represent a whole platform, it's not – it's – 
you're just wanting the other platform to be incorrect yeah by way of you know de facto this person supports it's got to be bad that's not always untrue but it's it's it doesn't show that the person wants to talk about the the issue. Well, and you're still not really talking about anything, too, right? Like you're yes. At some point, you're meta talking about the overarching idea of what a person's viewpoint probably is, and then you're going to offend them because no one likes being generalized, you know. Period. And you're gonna yeah, you'll just get nowhere. And like it, it, it this is where you get into like the. Uh, I can't believe anyone would support someone so, you know, and they think that like there's going to be some silver bullet, like there's going to be some special thing that the president does that causes everyone to go like, you know what? Never mind. What were we thinking? Blah. But like it isn't that isn't available like that's never going to happen Mm -hmm. uh, because there is there's a lot more like people's identities are tied up in a lot more than just like how gross a single person is. Um. So like, but like something with like uh, the the way that I think that you actually can communicate with someone is like my uh, my mom and I don't see eye to eye on a ton of things, but like the, it was really interesting to have that conversation about the possibility of nationalized healthcare and her seeing that like you know based on her actual conversation, learning that it actually functions and is like a viable solution because I think that you're right. A lot of um, like with your with your uh, character that you were so absolutely playing um mm-hmm. earlier a lot of it is a shrug like a lot of the re- like the the responses to like uh gun control or or uh, the healthcare situation or economic situation or whatever is like well i think that we're already doing everything that we can sorry you know and so like mm-hmm. you, then you know you've at least established that the problem exists sort of with that person but then you you at least if they if they think that if they at least agree things are all they also agree things are bad, then you have the opportunity to propose a solution that is better than the one that is currently there. Yeah, like, you, you know, you have the opportunity to say, well, would this not be better than what we're currently doing? Which is what you you know right now assume is all the all that we can be doing. Right. I mean, they should be able to listen to that and, and respond. Right. Yeah, maybe not have their mind changed, but at least you've had you've like communicated information, um, as opposed to like one person making a snide comment about some public figure and the other person getting offended and then everyone getting mad, um, or somebody saying something like tone deaf and the other person getting offended and then that person calling that person a snowflake and then that person calling <laughs> that person a racist or whatever you know like <laughs> uh, um, yeah so like not to. I'm very much not trying to equivocate right. every so, point of view, but at least like provide people like a platform that they can stand on for a second. Right. So going into this process, how important is it, do you think, to take a moment to imagine yourself as the way you want the other person to receive what you're saying? I'm already confused. All right. Imagine yourself <laughs> as... So it's easy... So, yeah, that was confusing. So it's easy to come at this and be like, oh, I wonder if this will help them think through this issue. Mm-hmm. But I, I think as a person initiating this, we should have it in our mind. We should imagine what would be the best case scenario for this person really listening to what I'm saying, 
not imagining they're just going to try to disprove me, et cetera, like have a conversation and commit to being that person as well. You may not believe that they'll have anything valuable to say, but let them prove to you. You know what I'm saying? Don't come at it like non-equals. Even if you don't think the person's going to participate the way you are, you always have to have – you have to start with that ability to learn from them. Even if you aren't going to, if you're not ready to, I think it's just a one-sided motion to begin with, maybe. I think it helps you talk to them in a more – I don't know. It, it just makes it more natural. I I I think it could make it more genuine. I also think that like the um, this is as much a a way of not having conversations as it is a way of having conversations. Like if you see that you don't even have a step one with someone, like just don't. Like oh yeah, that's you know this point. isn't yeah. this is not. It's not going to so, work while we're done. Well, this is not. Uh, this will. This is relevant to you, I think. But this is not witnessing. Right, like this, and uh, to go, uh, I know that we talked about this, I think, off podcast, so I don't want to like dive in too hard into it. But like, long ago, when you and I were at a um, a uh, Christian uh, preparatory, what would you call call it? It was like a um, a summer camp that you go to in order to make sure that you stay a Christian when you go to college, I think. Uh, uh yeah, it was to prepare. Prepare you to understand the world from the point of view of the Christian. Yeah, Christian so worldview. Things wouldn't yeah. be you wouldn't be necessarily surprised by stuff you would see, but it was giving you the interpretation of that you know particular group to right. use. And there was a, there was a part of that um, that camp that involved a uh, a dude whose uh, sort of whole deal was to witness to people. And he, I remember him standing on stage and snapping. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And every snap was someone dying and going to hell. Um, so he just sat up there and snap. It was this whole thing where he, his whole, like, you know, his whole shtick was to get you very worked up. And then they would send it. They sent us all down into, into town, uh, to try to find people to witness to riding high off of this, like hour and a half of, uh, of, motivation motivational speaking um slash fear um and like that's not like i have like very core and visceral like recoil to the idea of like any sort of system being there for you to um slide in your view to someone like it's so much of that felt like not manipulative but like uh how do i how do I take this conversation and like, like pick it up and then stick something right underneath it to where the other person doesn't notice until it's too late or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, how do I work this into the conversation in a way that doesn't cause them to go, um, stop. What are you doing? Stop. Right. So <laughs> approaching a conversation with certainty uh-huh. is the same as imagining they're not really a person the way you're a person. They're they're like a project, or they're like a opportunity, or yeah, you're right. They're not a person like that. They they don't have as much uh, as you know as much time and context behind the way that they think as the way that you think. Um, well, and they might not, but 
to to sure. imagine your particular perspective and background and 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 study and everything you've come to right. has led you to something that is so correct that you just need to convince other people of it yeah. isn't ever what you should be doing. You might be very convinced of a, a a thing that you think people should take notice of and see what they say about it and be interested to see if they've got anything to add or take away from it. And I mean, if you're really done your work well, you'll find more often than not that people, you know, you won't encounter a lot of things that will totally destroy it. Right. Right. But it's never about having the answer and then throwing it at people. Right. And it's, it, it, what Shannon has observed uh, when we've talked about that that camp and all that other stuff is um, that that seemed to belie a sort of like fragility to all of that, right? Like it was, yeah. It's this in, incredible amount of prep work because I guess without that, that that all of that, all of your worldview in that area might not make it through, which doesn't speak well to you know the sturdiness of it. Um, I think. Well, yeah, the less. The, the more sure and the, the less flexible a set, setup becomes. It doesn't even mean that the idea is necessarily wrong uh, well, at some yeah. basic, some lower level. Sure. Just when you put a lot of stuff on top of an idea that you say is necessary for the lower level idea to be true, you make the lower level idea incredibly pass fail, you know? Right. Yeah. The, the binariness of that makes the whole thing. Like uh, very, uh, it's. Uh, I feel like there's a really lame like college professor analogy here about like how they build uh, skyscrapers to sway. You know, skyscrapers like move around in the wind. Because <laughs> if they didn't, they just like shatter. Um, there has to be like tensile flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the it's that it's that this isn't like a uh, this is not a tract or like a method of witnessing your your viewpoint to someone. It's like it's more of a like way to know when to bail on a conversation and, and deal with someone on a different level. Um, now I feel like there's a, there are other things that like this doesn't like validate. Like, I don't think this validates not protecting someone from toxic behavior. I don't think it validates bad faith, like, uh, you know, like bullshit behavior and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, that's a, the, the other thing is like, I feel like that's an entirely different conversation. This is more like you're you're having a civil discussion with someone or like something comes up with someone and maybe you see an opening that means that like... Right, that might normally just devolve or be a into the conversation. Right, or like they you realize that they they have realized or they have come around to certain basic ideas and then you can work your way into like a different type of conversation. Like they, they have gotten screwed by, you know, the healthcare or something like that. Now you have a different conversation you can have things like that. But like, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully it's useful. I don't know, man, this is like a week old. <laughs> what, uh, what do you mean a week old? What's week old? A week old, a week old. Like I wrote this, uh, nigh a week ago into my book uh, here. No, I mean it's good. Um, uh, it's I think there's a lot of f- general frustration with these. There's so many ideas floating around on the internets that we see, and we see a lot of conversation, but we so rarely get to have a real conversation with people of fairly opposing views. Like I'm talking, yeah. like in person, basically, that it just becomes frustrating to see 
the hopeless arguments and you're not really participating. You're just thinking in your head what you would say and it just builds up sometimes, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, the internet is frustrating because, well, I mean, the internet is frustrating because is an insane way to start a sentence, but like the toxic behavior make at some point makes everyone gun shy and everyone assume that they are about to get toxic behaved on. And then they, you know, so they treat other people like, like defensively or like, you know, they recoil against other people preemptively. Um, and then also like, because toxic behavior takes advantage of equivocation, right? Like equivocation can sometimes give people with like legitimately bad faith positions an in, mm-hmm. uh, then, then people don't, people get really scared of any sort of like civility because it might, it might imply that they're equivocating. Um, that's really tough too. Like, you know, and so, Oh yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you know, yes, there's a difference. And I think that, okay. So just like a lot of words, (laughs) racism, but we're not going to talk about that. What I mean is (laughs) that those kind of words need to be used in a more specific senses. So when you say equivocate, yeah, a lot of times you can feel it, but you need to only bring it up when it's, key to the issue you know and so yeah you got to realize when things that aren't good habits become pivotal uh problems in an area right yeah and it it, it, well if two sides if once if if someone is arguing with someone and they feel attacked or they feel like there's there is and by toxic obviously i mean like in bad faith i mean hopefully those things are sort of self defined but like if if that sort of if one side of an argument is harmful in that way whether they like know that they're doing it or not i mean what they know they're doing it, it's a little bit easier but like either way the equivocation obviously uh, it would just be like the implication that both sides have like an equally valid take on a particular topic and that's only going to work if both of those sides don't feel outwardly attacked <laughs> like if one of those sides feels like they are being made invalid, then you're never going to convince them that there is an equally valid, like that there's some like line down the middle on this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and like all of this is, you know, disastrous on the internet. Um, and I think a lot of it is people don't necessarily understand the impact of their, their well, arguments, I, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And you know, that's a good point. I think taking, I think, and I've, I've, I've seen this work before. Um, and it's along the lines of what you were saying with this for the general idea, which is to narrow the narrow the questions and remove like tying it to too many other things. So yeah. when something comes up that sounds like they're equivocating a problem, like if I can use an example, well, it bothers me that Trump lies so much. And then what I hear a lot is, well, politicians lie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, a sort of classic. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's a true statement. Like politicians, right. and especially power seeking politicians, tend not to be good people in the traditional sense. Right. They've tended to go out of their way to get power, and that's often difficult. To I mean, do. it's the job sort of like um, encourages. Yeah, right. Know, yeah. Megamania. Um, so you say, in, instead of being like, 
you know, incensed or annoyed or whatever, you go, well, that's interesting question. I don't know that all people who have lied are put on the same pedestal. Like, what specific example of lying politicians are you thinking about? And then let's compare that to the way I'm trying to look or why I feel the frustration I do towards this specific politician. And I think if you say it like, like enough with enough sense of wanting to talk about it for real and in a specific enough question, the person might be interested to engage in that or at the very least, like seriously think about coming up with an example that because they usually don't have a specific idea and if they do it will be interesting to talk about it maybe i I, i'm gonna say that in my reaction in that situation when it has come up is to like bail on that one because i don't think that like trump lies is a good premise to move to a step two like i think it's too broad that like it's too obvious. Like, I don't, I think that everyone agrees that he lies and the conversation is more, it needs, need, there needs to be like about a specific lie or about well, something see, else. I think that it does. No, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's, it is very important to a lot of different points, right? Cause yeah. the problem in this case was that I was frustrated and you know, it might be about a specific thing. Usually it'll come up. I think it has to be. That's what I'm saying. Thing, right. And it's that you're frustrated, but then it gets pulled back away from that issue that, you know, well, this is how politicians operate. And then I'm like, well, it's not, I mean, there are, you know, there's differences. Let's talk about the differences. I think you can pull it to a specific example, even if it's not about a specific topic all the time sure if you, you can i guess if you can talking about it if you can steer back into a real topic then sure but like my the thing that makes me nervous that would make me not want to follow that is that i don't think like let's discuss whether politicians lie is like a is a problem to be solved in a specific enough way that you could like move your way up to a step two right like there you could talk about like specifically perjury maybe or like you could talk about um the what we do about this president and so any future president who acts about, like this, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely follow that. So what I'm realizing is this list it tend, looks like it's to discuss political issues. It right? doesn't have to be political issues. I think that it ha- it can be. Uh, you could talk about like tattoos or something. The problem is a lot of um, a lot of things that aren't political issues. You're going to have a hard time getting past step one because you a lot of the time, unless you are like both part of like the same rotary group or something. You don't like have equal ability to impact like legislative issues. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, all right, how about this? The problem exists that I feel uh people don't take the level of lying Trump exhibits as fundamentally worse than a less harmful version of lying. And you're that person. How I okay. think that this is a problem that exists. How can it be solved so that I either understand that it isn't different at right. all, or you see how there is a difference here? And then, like, 
what can be done to help people clarify that in their minds better without getting lost to one side or the other? Sure. And then who can do that? Who can help? Where is that going to be helping? You know, at our a church level or a, or a, a county level or whatever. And okay. um, whatever. I, like, I could see something like that working too. Yeah, you could potentially like end up talking about something more like smaller in scope. You could equally end up talking about like uh, a little bit of what you almost hit on, which is political. But like I said, since laws end up being like the application of cultural standards, you do end up with laws a lot with this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But say that like what you effectively could end up talking about is the varying standards given to people on like of different statuses or the varying punishments given to people of different statuses. And what you could Mm -hmm. end up easily talking about then is the idea that like uh, laws are not consistently applied. And then you could talk about like judicial corruption and now you're actually kind of on step three or step four all of a sudden, right? Like, and you might end up yeah. like falling apart and there, I think it, but there's I, an opportunity yeah. there because there are people who like, there are politicians and, and groups and like legislative efforts that are being made to like, to like accomplish something there, right? Like now you're talking about like actual uh, specific right. problems I, that I can be solved. I think you're right. And they could end up on different, like those groups might be all over the place as far as what they're traditionally associated with conservative or liberal. Right. But I think that helps people to see that, okay, this is a narrow topic that's on the other side of the aisle that I think they're doing good work on. Right. You can still support based on the system you have to interact with. You still might have a general support for one way, but it sort of erodes that, um, monolithic idea of a platform in your head. And so you're not seeing all evil. You're seeing what you should see, which is a mix of things getting spread all over the place. Yeah. Because once you like, even if it doesn't really matter, like when you're having this specific conversation again, like it's so hard to say it in a way that just doesn't like validate something that I don't think needs to be validated. But like the conversation doesn't have to be about the validity of an entire party or the like corruption of an entire party. It can just be about like a topic like my, uh, the very similar to this, uh, when I was talking to my mom, it was actually a different conversation, but, um, she was expressing frustration about like, uh, politicians taking money from, you know, she doesn't have a lot of faith in like representatives actually representing because they take all this money from big donors. And I was able to actually tell her that there is like a um, group of democratic representatives that don't take money from big donors. And Mm -hmm. like they, they have like a very strict maximum amount and they only take money from private donors and it's like 220 bucks per person max or whatever. And like, there is a movement in the democratic party, not all the democratic party, which makes her feel good. Right. We're not talking about the entire democratic party. (laughs) We're not talking about the entire Republican party. We're talking about the fact that there are a, uh, there is a group of politicians that, that are trying to address that specific issue. Right. Like, and so, yeah, it's, I think erosion is a good term just because that implies like, no matter what the rock is, like it's slowly becoming not a rock. <laughs> and I right. think that's like a good, a good way to help people like de, uh, de disassociate, not into like a 
like some centrist world, but like disassociate from the idea of the entire party as yeah. this like unit. There's not this idea that you'll just become the ultimate centrist. You will right. end up almost certainly if you were a person who had complete clarity of thought and complete um, action in good faith, what you would probably end up with is someone who has reasonably strong opinions that bounce across sides regularly. Now you might find more on one side or the other, but if you graft it, you know, it would, it would not be a big lump in the middle. Well, <laughs> I, 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 and I don't necessarily like statistic. I don't know. I don't even know if that's true. I don't think that, it, I don't think it's, I don't, I just don't think it's the point. I think that like what you will end up with is uh better. You'll end up more frustrated. <laughs> I think you'll end up more displeased, but you'll end up with a better reasoning about why you need to support the well, yes, okay. I, maybe I was I, not trying to give the example of the average th- person. What I was trying to say is you would never, almost never, end up with a big lump in the middle. You might end up with right. nine points on the left and one point a little bit past the middle right or ten points on the right or split evenly. That might be the rarer circumstance, in fact. But you won't see that if you're giving good faith efforts to understand what you support, that you'll just end up not thinking any action is the right action. Like right. you're going to decide what actions you want to take. And it's going to be, you know, not necessarily uh, nothing. <laughs> well, it's not going to be a nothing. It's not going to be an everything. And it might end up resulting in you having to look at, it's got, you know what I think it, it, it This is why primaries can be really important is like primaries allow you to be a little bit more idealistic, right? And to say like... Except when the party already decides who's going to be the... Sure. I'm not saying like every election, but like there's like there were some elections this year here, like our alderman election had like Mm -hmm. 15 people running. Whoa. Yeah. And it's an an alderman election, which is not that many people voting, Um, but it's a fairly big slice of the city and there's some really powerful and relevant aldermen in Chicago. Um, and so that kind of, that is like the, an area where a lot of those things are not binary choices. Um, they're, they're literally 15 different options. Um, so by the time you get up to like a major election and there are two options, then, you know, then you have to, you have to be a little bit more pragmatic, but like, I, I think the general point that you're making is correct, which is just like the, just the idea that like more consideration of of things outside of the monolith of a of a big block of assumptions it, it does you a favor as well as other people, right? Like to make to yeah, make assumptions um, about your own platform is kind of just as harmful as making assumptions about someone right. who you're trying to have an interesting conversation and, with. And I'm also trying to say that the ultimate end is not that you lose your opinions. Mm-hmm. It's that your opinions are, uh, are in good faith yeah. is the best way I can put it. Now, uh, just a disclaimer. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I do not believe that the ultimate good is to have those with money be able to have the best possible health care in the world, <laughs> but that is a position. Okay. And, um, I also don't think it's uh, too bad for those who can't bootstrap themselves 
to not be poor. Yeah, uh, you don't have to like like disclaim your entire. F- I'm the like, one who had to take the position. You offered it. Uh, you, you're right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there there is a uh, the, there is some basic stuff that I think is man. We're, we're over an hour, but yeah, there are some basic things that like the reason some of the conversations are hard. You could argue that it's because one angle of it is ugly or that it's, is unempathetic, but like, then you, you can't talk about it like that. Like you can't accuse someone of that. You have to figure out like, why do they feel like they have to be ugly? Like, why is it? Because like for the minimum wage thing, I think is an excellent example. It's like they, people are convinced not that like they, that their fellow human beings shouldn't be able to support themselves, but convinced that it's an economic necessity. And it's like, why, why are you, like you just don't see a path toward people being able to make a living wage. And be, well, I, th- you know I what think I mean? that there's yes, I totally agree. And I've I've come into what I feel is a good a way of expressing people's actual thoughts on issues in this case. So this comes into the picture with gun control and minimum wage is a good example, which is that you say, okay, so pretend like. Just without trying to think of whether the solution is completely plausible or not, right. what would you imagine a world would be like in your perfect world, right? One that definitely has uh, equal access to guns and many kinds of guns for everybody uh, and one that has everyone somehow making a pretty livable wage. Um, and, you know, you – you don't want to make it too much of a trap because you can still sound like traps. It's not. It's the idea that what's your real vision of the perfect future? Yeah. And instead of thinking this is impossible to fix, think, well, even if I don't think I can solve it, it's good for me. It, it's in line with my own morality and judgments to think of things that can move us there. Because yeah. it's so often that people are like, look, it can't happen that way, you know? Right. But what they really mean is I don't see a easily or avenue. obviously yeah. close avenue to do this. That does not mean you should abandon your your vision for the future, right? I, yeah, it's and I think, I think that, like, I, I've seen that conversation play out um, online with people who I'm related to. And I... I I've seen it play out in a way where those the the people don't like they they're not gonna they they will there is a position that exists of people who will say that the world is sinful and there is no like there is there is no gain to be had in these areas and this is an inevitability of right. a disintegrating postmodern society and like I don't. I as as someone who knows that position very well, I don't necessarily think that this is a four-step way to have that conversation with that person. I think mm-hmm. at the point that you learn that you have had that conversation and like if that's someone that you know well and love and there is a possibility that you will be able to work your way into that conversation some other way in the future, but like you did it. You you got, you tried step one and you punted, and now it's time to talk about something else or talk about talk to someone else. Like I I feel like that that's the only like sustainable way to deal with some of that. Um, mm, and that's like, a good question. Yeah, 
I, I, I props if you can move past that specific one, but like, uh, that, that, and I think that, uh, it, that, that's such a, man, this is such a bad note in the podcast or to close, to move toward the waning chapters of our podcast on, but like, that is a very like <laughs> real worldview um, that I'm very familiar with that. And it's one that does not provide a, um, well, if you can speak both languages, yeah. uh, I think I, I can talk to it from within that viewpoint. I right. mean, it, I, I see, I see why it occurs. It's a tough, there's a tough problem and it seems to be related to a certain inevitability about the nature of people and, yeah. and the, the ultimate end of, you know, our sort of civilization or whatever. But in the same sense, we don't act that way about all facets of life, right? We just act that way about intractable intractable problems that take a seemingly long time to fix. Mm. But in the small scale, we don't act that way. We help people. In this case, Christians who have this view often um, – are statistically very charitable and helpful. Yes, some of their methods might be mis or uh, not as effective as they might otherwise be. But the the truth is, that they are very uh, generous and, and empathetic in a lot of ways, right? Right. Um, but it's like if a problem is too hard to fix and it's confusing and it's clashing with other things. Uh, then it's it's just easier to just be like, well, maybe we can't fix that. Let's not deal with it. I think that there's this bridge you can talk about between those two because I think that there's a part of – I don't need to over-explain it, but no, I, I think there's a bridge there. This is cool. This is I feel like this is a uh, dynamic that we've looped back on a couple of times, which is like you're, you're reminding me of your sort of like very uh, – easy to connect with position that like, if you put a bunch of people in a room, they're going to generally help one another, right? Like there's a, mm -hmm. there is a, like a, if you get the scope down small enough, people are good to one another. Um, mm -hmm. as, as people are more good than bad to one another. If you remove, uh, structure and punitive, uh, you know, authority and all the other things that can cause people to be monsters to one another. Um, <laughs> like the, that that is totally a totally a thing, and also uh, that is reminding me that like as much as I sit here and bemoan like specific worldview concepts, um, I also think that like the only avenue of connection with people is not is is one of uh, excitement and solutions and and movement and progress, not one of like uh, hand wringing and and woe is me. Uh, what happened to our norms and our dialogue kind of stuff, you know, like that. Right. It, it's to, it's to give people the opportunity to say that like they're better than this or that. Or, and it's not via pointing at some, like some country uh, leader who's, uh, you know, the, the almost uh, a cartoonishly bad example of a human and equivocating <laughs> that person with them. It's to say like that, like we have, similar problems that we are sharing and we're going to offer up the opportunity to be optimistic that there are ways around these. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and to take some of my own advice, perhaps you look at a problem like reaching people who seem to be a 
diametrically opposed or or sort of at this impossible angle and you think I'm going to, you know, this is impossible and there's not a good way to accomplish anything here and I'm just going to leave it. We could, I could think, okay, is my ideal situation that me and this person have a understanding with each other and a help, a healthy, mutually beneficial relationship? I think yes. I think what if anything is a step I can take to to move in that direction? And it might be frustratingly not at all addressing a specific kind of issue, but figuring out what is most helpful in relationship to that person. And down the line, I mean, it's only going to be a positive, and it might not be as much of a leap as you want, but it's just like, you know, living in community with that person, which suspiciously is what Jesus taught, which is what all of these people already are supposed to believe. Yeah, yeah, that's... (sighs) Yeah. I mean... Jesus isn't the only one to teach that. I'm just I was gonna in this say, case. That's, that's it's also about very, the same. It's a very group. human condition sort of dialogue. But yes, there is a like a pretty glaring inconsistency in this specific case. But then again, bringing up that inconsistency is just another way to make that person mad at you. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh well, uh, you We've know established what? a lot of those. maybe a, <laughs> your constant negativity, while not unfounded, will perhaps be washed away by the flood of emotions when that first kitty cat meow hits your ears and you cuddle up with your warm new whatever she's going to call it. Cat cat? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I I guess I'll just end the podcast. (laughs) 